Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Katie Wilson, founder and CEO of Belly Welly, a wellness brand on a mission to destigmatize digestive health and fill the gap in the functional food market. Starting out as a celebrity matchmaker, Katie experienced her own gut health issues with IBS and spent years looking through labels and consulting doctors to find the product that didn't trigger her symptoms. This eventually led her to pivot her career entirely into the CPG space with the launch of Belly Belly Bars. In this episode, Katie shares all about her journey, starting with launching her bars in an IBS Facebook group. We talk about the importance of listening to your community when building a brand, how she's standing out in the crowded bar space, gut health, her advice for aspiring female entrepreneurs, and so much more. Keep listening to learn all about Katie and Belly Welly. All right, Katie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today and to hear all about your journey starting Belly Welly. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait for the conversation. Talk all things CPG and and specifically Belly Welly too. Yeah. So let's start with the beginning of your wellness journey and really what led you to start the company. Yeah. I did not come from CPG. I was a professional matchmaker, which is the weirdest job ever. How does one become a professional matchmaker? Oh my gosh. It's like a conversation for, I don't know, like such a bar conversation. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say that's it. Yeah. I mean, the quick story is I knew I wanted to be a matchmaker from like age 10 and on. So I interned every summer in LA for professional matchmakers and then eventually joined a company, a a female-led startup actually, which is where I kind of got a taste for startup and all that that entailed looking to scale matchmaking. And then I ended up going off on my own at some point and then eventually went over to match.com. So dating was what I planned to do. And about six years ago, in the midst of my matchmaking career, I came down with gut issues. And I'll spare everyone the, the the graphic TMI, but essentially I went to Cabo, got food poisoning, and was never the same. And it wasn't, it wasn't straightforward IBS. It was like all of a sudden I had all these food intolerances that had never existed before. I knew gluten was kind of hurting my stomach. I thought dairy was. I had reflux. I was bloated. And I just got obsessed with trying to return to normal. And my normal, by the way, had been. I mean, healthy, right? I wasn't like binging pizza and hamburgers, but like I could have the slice of pizza without, you know, worrying about gut consequences two hours later. And I just had, I lost that freedom. So just like anything that starts impacting your life, you start talking about it with anyone that'll listen, or at least that's what I did. And in doing so, I realized this thing seems to be impacting 80% of my own female network. So much so that I actually sent out a survey monkey one day because I was that curious to my personal network. And I asked everyone to share it more broadly. It ended up reaching hundreds of people. And the results were crazy. It was like 76% of the respondents said that they suffered with daily gut issues. Wow. And a staggering number even reported as having like self-diagnosed IBS, meaning they were just living with gut trouble. That they think is normal sometimes, right? Exactly. It's like, yeah. oh, this is how I should feel. Totally. So I was doing all the things in my own personal life to try to fix my own problem. I was doing colonoscopies. I had you know, seen the best GI doctor in LA and 
supplements. I was ordering weird supplements on Amazon that had no reviews. I was just desperate to just to return to normal. And um, I I mentioned the word freedom. That's what was kind of, I, I was losing. Like I was worrying about going on planes and I was, you know, worrying about going out for the day because I was worried I wouldn't have a safe snack. So I started camping out in Facebook groups, which almost sounds old school now. Mm-hmm. And it was just a means to try to solve my own problem and relate and, and talk to others who'd, who'd been down this road. And again, same observation. This thing was huge and it was affecting many, 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 many people. And no one was really talking about it in a mainstream way. And what were you starting to do at that point to feel better? Great question. I was doing everything you're not supposed to do, which was like really controlling my diet. I was like, had this real fear of food at that point. Cause it was, I was associating this with hurting my stomach. So I had like three meals that they were my safe meals that I could eat a day. I wouldn't deviate from that. They weren't even very nutritious. It was just like simple carbs, like things that just wouldn't irritate my stomach. I was taking a bunch of antibiotics because I was convinced that it was exactly, it's like everything (laughs) you're not supposed to do. But again, it turns out I wasn't alone. So many people were kind of trying to walk the same path. And so I started creating Facebook groups. And then I saw that there was already you know, hundreds of these pre-existing groups dedicated to, to this. So I woke up one day and thought, why can't I buy some of these Facebook groups? So I'd reach out to the admins and say, can I buy your Facebook group? And what did you want to do? What were you going to buy the group and do? at that point. Totally unsexy answer. I didn't have a goal, right? The goal was like, I just knew I was fiercely curious and obsessed with the space, realizing that it was so much bigger than I understood. And it was at the forefront of my own life. And I just cared to know more. (laughs) This is kind of was kind of the plan. And I decided, right, like community and people are generally the way in which you do that, right? It's just building a community and, and talking about it with one another, I don't know, leads to good things or productive things. So that was the plan. That was the extent of the plan. So I created this big online Facebook community. And in the meantime, I had had a week night. I had also, I'd also been pregnant, which probably like, you know, is reason for the tears, but I had been crying because I missed chocolate chip cookies. And I was like, I just want a chocolate chip cookie. It doesn't hurt my stomach. And that for me was like this long list of things. I was like, it needs to be gluten-free and dairy-free and no soy and no sugar alcohols and certified low FODMAP. And that just didn't exist, right? And I think what I was really meaning is like, I want someone to have made a chocolate chip cookie that speaks my language, right? Says things like, I know this won't make you feel bloated. This won't make you feel gross, which was a word I was using a lot. And so my husband went to the grocery store one night and looked like, I remember him calling me, he was at 10 different grocery stores. Like this thing doesn't exist. I'll try to make you this. So he hired a food scientist and a dietitian, and this was meant to be a fun passion project. And he said, look, I'm going to make you the perfect chocolate chip cookie. What a good husband. I know. I did a good job matchmaking myself. (laughs) Um, So so he did exactly that. He worked on this in our kitchen. It's just this passion project that we kind of had fun working on. And there's lots of like terrible cookies that came out of it. And was there any intention at this point of it being a product you were going to set? This is like purely selfish. Yeah. This is going to be for us to eat. Oh, yeah. I was talking people into breakups, out of breakups. I was matchmaking. I was like loving that. My title at the time was chief dating strategist at Match. And so no aspiration of doing anything else. And um, these cookies were so good. And we started to call them bars because I was putting them into bar molds to take them with me on the go. And I said, why don't we just share these with this community we built and see what happens? And so... I said, look, make 10 extra bars tomorrow, and I'm just going to share these with the community and see what happens. So I 
worked for the next week and threw up a really scrappy website. I called it Ivy Simple. Thank goodness <laughs> I changed the name. And we had like a little wrappers that we ordered and we put the site live and we woke up to 884 orders. Oh my God. And so for the next few months, we made, we pulled all nighters. Like we, we made thousands of these things at home. Yes. All day in a hairnet and gloves. We would package them all up overnight. And then UPS would come to the house like six times a day. So this went on for about seven months of us just, you know, oh, so many entrepreneurs have this story and I love these stories yeah, because I it's can totally relate. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm sure your story is, is not unlike this, but it's a, such a hard time, but it's such a magical time because you're interfacing so intimately with consumers. You're so close to what you're building. So it was wild. And then we had a toddler at the time. And anyways, I wouldn't choose to repeat that stage, but it was, it was magic. And it just, it was one of those things that worked and it worked because the community helped us build it and, and helped us create the concept. I love that. I love also like that you saw that there was this group and like, didn't know how to tap into it, but just taking that like step to lead you and kind of keeping the door open of where this might lead. Like it could have led in many directions, but it led to your, what you were craving, which was that chocolate chip cookie. Totally. Although thank goodness we changed the name. We launched officially as Belly Welly at some point, and I'm glad we don't have a company called IB Simple today. But <laughs> things you learn along the way. Totally. All right. So let's get into that. So first of all, give us some time frame. So what time was this that you had sold the 10 bars that turned into 800 bars? And then when did you lo- officially launch? Great question. So we officially launched in March, 2021. So this was all like the eight months leading up to March, 2021 It's like the easiest okay. way to think. So in about. the middle of COVID, all this is happening. Totally. So I suppose what came next was, you know, very clear product market fit was there. We were launching a business in the height of this like D to C hype, right? We're like, that was possible yeah. to launch a D to C brand and that seemed exciting and great. You know, it just became clear, say, call it after like four months of the the kitchen grind that we wanted this to be a real and thoughtful business and it and it deserved to be. Um, so at that point, we took the big scary leaps. We, you know, I quit my job. Um, we went out and raised venture capital and put together a fundraising deck, right? Did all these things that that felt really hard and strange and weird and crazy. And we just were super lucky in that we we aligned ourselves with some people who had done this a time or two early on who helped us with things like co-packer relationships, right? And supply chain and naming the business. So actually the two of our early investors were were the women at Smart Suites. And I remember them getting on a call one day and they were like, so we think we you should change the name. And I was like, what? It's such a good name. Are you kidding? And they were like, you <laughs> should think about it again. Thank goodness they did. By the time we launched in March 2021, we launched as Ballywelly with a thoughtful brand, right? And a brand position and a co-packer and a 3PL. So there was no kitchen bars made at that time. Um, but yeah, so so we've been around for just just over two years now. Um operated as a direct-to-consumer business the first year and then you know eventually pivoted into retail. So had you raised money before getting a little bit into that and what that was like for you raising VC money and and bringing on those partners early on? So the short answer is yes and no in that I mentioned I worked at a matchmaking startup, a female-led matchmaking startup, and I was number three or four there. So I got to see firsthand. It was actually a venture-backed startup. I had been intimate front row seat to the fundraising process and 
all that comes with that. So I had never done it myself, but I wasn't, it wasn't a like, whoa, what is this? I have no idea how to make a pitch deck. That said, you know, I think it's like fundraising is a humbling experience. And I don't even, I don't think, I don't think any two times are the same by any means. And it's not a linear process to say the least. But when I was just starting to think about like, gosh, we're going to need capital to do this. I was poking around on LinkedIn and I reached out to someone who had been a former exec at Clorox. Funny enough, I'd actually reached out to him because I still had a female matchmaking client that I wanted to match. And I actually reached out and I was like, this oh, is so weird. So funny. I'm not doing this for, for money. And he, like, I'm just doing this for fun and for free. And I think you could be great. And he was so kind. He responded back. He wasn't interested uh, at that point, but he said, you know, I think I had written, like, I'm, I think on my LinkedIn, I had said, I'm starting a company or something. He said, tell me more about your company. So we got on a quick call and I told him, and I'm sure in retrospect, I sounded like a mess. I think I said like, oh, this is just this thing I'm doing. It's in our kitchen and yeah, it's going to be great. And he said, he was just awesome. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come back next week. And I want you to present me with a pitch deck. This is how your pitch deck is going to look. And he kind of gave me a template and he said, let's have a conversation once you do that. And I did that. So I did exactly what he said again that first pitch deck is cringing when I look back on it. And (laughs) I pitched it back to him the following week and he was our first investor and he invested a sizable amount in the business. He said, I'm going to help you with the rest. And to date, he's probably been our most influential and most helpful investor. He's coming out every round. He's like one of my favorite humans. So anyways, I mean, we would be nowhere without him, uh, but it's such an unconventional, weird, non-traditional fundraise story. Yeah, that's such a great story. What have you learned the most from him? What's he taught you so far in the business? Um, Don't get caught up in crisis. I don't know what I used to get caught up in or what used to get worried about. I don't. And he's very calm, right? Seen it all, done it all, and surround yourself with the right people. So I knew very early on, and he was aware too, and helped me really think about this, that I... You know, some CEOs have it all, I think, right? They're operators, they're marketers, they're visionaries. I am not the have it all CEO. And I'm, I'm totally cool with that. So it just became very important and critical that I surrounded myself with the missing pieces very early. And he filled that void for me before I had the right person on the team. But no, I'm, I'm not one of those unicorns, right? Who can do it all. I know they exist, but I I just knew very early on that wasn't me. How's it been hiring a team and having a team? Oh my goodness. So far, so good, actually. I mean, I know our day's coming, right? Or like, I know hiring is the hardest part and hiring and and managing and keeping a team motivated and keeping everyone working towards the same vision is the hard part. So we're still early days. We were actually three people for the first year and a half. So we just added to the team for the first time. So now we're a team of nine. That's a big step. It's a big That's step. a huge step. Yeah. It's, yeah. A life, it's been like a life-changing experience. Um, I can't imagine like, teams of 20, like that sounds so big, right? But even yeah. a team of nine, it's just, I don't know. It's just a lot of people around a dinner table. Yes. And I like collaborative thinking. I really like to collaborate. So to me, just having more voices around the table has been amazing. So exciting. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to your earlier days and how you came out with Belly Willie as a name and your branding, because certainly, you know, you're in a category that is very crowded And how do you stand out? How do you really, especially on that retailer shelf, you know, when you're no longer D to C? Yeah. So I suppose that the thinking, it makes sense to talk about the thinking and the positioning first, 
which has always been really clear to me. And that is we are destigmatizing and mainstreaming gut health. So I think historically gut health has been looked at as a medical problem with medical solutions. We have partly accidentally, partly on purpose, looked at this as taking a food centered view. So we believe that by helping women feel better and eat better or eat better, they can live better lives. We think we belong in the pantry, not the medicine cabinet. And what didn't exist when I was a consumer was that was that brand walking the middle, right? We're, we're not leaning into potty jokes. That didn't resonate with me. We're not medical. We're still fun and premium and relevant, but we're using words that feel familiar, like bloat, like gluten-free, like low FODMAP, like good for your gut. And so that's that's where I thought Belly Welly belonged in the market. And Ivy Simple was wrong, right? That was too medical. That actually wasn't accomplishing what I was what I was kind of so clear on wanting to accomplish. Belly Welly came from like a group brainstorm. It was like the it was it was the genius of someone else on our team. I can't even remember, but it was like a group text, and someone said that. I was like, that's totally it. That's it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. It just it that it's like we were we were more forward thinking with the brand and then the name caught up because that's, that's the vision, right? It's just to be this pink box on the shelf. And our promise is we won't hurt your stomach. We're not promising to fix you, right? We're not a pill. We're, we're the safe treat, right? That's good for your belly. And it's, it's as simple as that. And then the pink and the sparkles and our, one of my co-founders refers to it as the sparkle unicorn brand. That is probably just admittedly a reflection of my personality that made it onto package. So I'm like a pink, I'm a sparkle pink, I don't know, the girliest of girly girls. And again, like that, that is probably just a, like, I probably said, I want a pink package. And now that's, now that's belly well. (laughs) (laughs) And now that was perfect to stand out on the shelf of a crowded bar category. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, And I think, yeah, you asked about the set, the, the bar set. And I think it's still an upward, I think that's going to be a challenge forever. But where I get excited is, is there's so many amazing protein bars in the set. I actually like, I eat a different bar for my protein. Um, Actually, there's like five different bars I eat for protein. What's your favorite protein bar? I'm a go, I so cliche, but I'm a go macro gal. Uh, like who isn't, but yeah. I love a go macro bar. There's all, so many good ones coming out. I just try, tried one called Raw Rev, which I thought was fantastic. That wasn't the focus, right? We did. We felt like there's just a lot of those, right? And there's a lot of them doing it really well. And as a consumer, I was alienated when I went to the bar category. I wanted a snack. I didn't want a meal bridge, right? Yeah. I wanted a snack that I could he- eat that didn't feel heavy and gross in my gut that had some benefit, that tasted good. And that didn't actually exist. Um, so the goal was not to be a protein bar. It never has been. We've got about five grams of protein. So it's not. it's not nothing, but it's just not the point. And so again, that's almost accidentally helped us stand out as we're just trying to be something very different than anything else in the set. Sure. So as you think about ingredients, can you explain a little bit about the guardrails and also explain what low FODMAP is? Because I don't know that everyone knows what that is. For sure. I'll start with low FODMAP. So I'll start with a really technical, boring answer that no one will ever remember, but it just sounds cool. And then I'll then I'll explain what that actually means. So low FODMAP stands for low fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. <laughs> that um, is mouthful. <laughs> it's a it's a lot. Which is it's a fancy way of saying they're short chain carbs that are poorly digested in the gut. Here's where FODMAP gets really confusing. FODMAPs themselves are not bad for you. So this is my favorite example. Eight almonds is low FODMAP. 12 almonds is high FODMAP. 
how the heck is a consumer supposed to follow that diet, right? Yeah. When they're on their own reading labels in the, in the grocery store. I mean, you don't know how many almonds, right? You've consumed that day or even how much is in that product. So it's about thresholds, right? And it turns out if you limit FODMAPs and you consume a low FODMAP diet, your gut symptoms are, are probably better or improved. Again, this isn't a cure. This isn't going to fix you. FODMAPs aren't bad. Apples are high in FODMAPs. Apples aren't bad for you. Um, so it's impossible to follow as a consumer. So, so something that was really important to me, and it's not who we are as a brand. It's just one of many things that I think makes us credibly gut healthy is being certified low FODMAP. So Monash University is the kind of creme de la creme when it comes to, to certifying a product as low FODMAP. It's a lab test. It's, we've actually failed it a number of times. It was really hard to make it happen, but it was just important to me because I was following that diet. So all of our bars are certified low FODMAP, meaning they're not going to hurt your gut. They're not here to they're not here to fix you, but they're not going to hurt. And then there was table stakes, gluten-free, dairy-free. Again, not the gluten or dairy or I mean, so many different perspectives on that now, and that's okay. It just so happened that those were irritants for me and they were for a lot of people navigating gut trouble. So I wanted this to be a safe haven, right? This is like a very safe snack. So no gluten, no dairy, fiber, there's a little bit of protein and real probiotics and probiotics were tough, but that was like the hardest thing to achieve and maintain. But again, I wanted this to not only be safe, but we're actually providing a little value back when you consume the product. So that those were the guardrails, low FODMAP being by far the hardest. What's your number one flavors skew? Oh, it's the one we just launched. It's like the best one by far. It's peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate is, I've learned chocolate is king in bar sales. Even if you think your strawberry shortcake is amazing, which I think it is, chocolate is what wins on the shelf. And every version of it, if it's chocolate chip, double chocolate, like every variety. As a consumer, I see the the world very differently now. I pay attention, you know, in most categories in the grocery store, right? It's just different ways of saying chocolate, double chocolate, double chocolate caramel, salted chocolate caramel. I mean, chocolate sells. Yeah. And I don't like chocolate, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm a fruit gal. So I'm always like, guys, the strawberry right. cake's amazing. But no, it's, it's not, it's not what does the volume. I feel you. As you have been building the brand, I know that community has played a big role, as you mentioned, certainly at the beginning. I'd love to kind of dive into that and how you have continued to really lean on community to guide the brand and and where you're heading. Yeah. So when I say they have decided everything, it's not an exaggeration. So quite literally, and it's been very humbling. I've realized I probably have bad ideas and wrong opinions 90% of the time, right? I'm not here. I'm not the CEO because I have amazing ideas. I make things happen, right? But it's not because my ideas are amazing and they always know best. Um, so when I say they cho- they chose the flavor name, so every flavor we've launched and the name of the flavor, we eventually survey the community and they tell us what they want. The packaging look and feel. Has there ever been something that they've suggested and you're like, no, I actually like really don't like this. A hundred percent. Like I, it's again, it's, it's kind of what we just talked about. It's like, we don't want your fruit flavors. Like we want your chocolate. That's it. I mean, I've been wrong so many times So that I think really what's been interesting is so the, on our packaging iteration, we surveyed, so we, we worked with an agency to get this retail ready. And at every iteration, you know, we'd get a new design. We sent it out via email to the entire community and said, like, we want all the feedback. Um, We pulled everyone on Instagram, TikTok, email. And my instincts were so wrong, (laughs) so wrong. 
And it just, it's such a good lesson. Pretty like, humbling. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As a founder, you just get, you're in your own echo chamber, right? Where you're like, oh my gosh, everyone definitely wants to hear that. I don't, I mean, there's a million examples, right? This, this belongs on the package. And it's just like, no, it doesn't. They don't, they don't care. I mean, the, the most interesting was the claims and like what we feature on the claims. And I actually still think we have this kind of wrong. I thought everyone was obsessed with fiber. Like, no, they, they didn't really care to know fiber was on the front of the package. So I just learned my lesson a number of times and we don't do anything without asking them now. They're the reason you have a you know, a product and a brand at the end of the day. So equally kind of like our retail approach to this has been in-store demos. So we built a big team. One of the first investments we made was building an internal demo team that we refer to as our belly besties. And then on top of that, I committed to doing a demo a day for 85 days. Oh, good for you. I still do three a week. So I never miss. I do three a week and I do all of our customer service. I have not relinquished any customer service because I am obsessed with what people are saying. And again, like nothing more humbling than a demo in store. Nothing. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it is the best way. And I, that was how I built the business in the early days was getting in store multiple times a week. And there's nothing that replaces that connection. Like what I've had to try to figure out is like that balance, right? Like if there were no guardrails, I'd come home every night and like redo everything, which you can't do, <laughs> right? Like you have to have like a, but it's just, you just learn a lot. Yeah. What have you been like really surprised by that you have changed? Um, probiotics. When I created this product, again, I was making this for myself initially. What really resonated with me was like, won't hurt your stomach. That still resonates, but people love, I mean, it's just function, right? Like what I'm, I'm learning the position, like the, where function belongs in the narrative and people really like to know that there's probiotics. I didn't, I put probiotics as an afterthought to be really honest, as they like, oh, this also has probiotics. Isn't that great? That's the thing, right? So like people love that idea. I mean, that's how they describe the bar back to me is like, I'm getting my probiotics in a bar. And I, that was new. Like I didn't, I I wasn't leading with that, right? I was like leading with like, good for your gut snack. Like, by the way, that does, that positioning doesn't work. Like people are like, good for your gut. Sounds like that's not going to taste good. No, thanks. So I've just, I've, you know, they've taught me how to talk about our product. That's such a valuable insight. Someone was just telling me like a great way to really hone in on your elevator pitch is you saying to someone what you're positioning brand is, and then having them repeat it back to you to hear like what they're hearing and saying, which is oftentimes different than what you, what you're saying, what you think you're saying. Totally. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's, it's like, that's what happens every time. I'm like, wow, that's what you took from that. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Or the word with the phrase we got from our consumers that we may even put on packaging at this point is these make me feel good, not gross. It's funny because I used to use that word. It just doesn't sound like fancy box packaging, right? right. But it turns out that's actually what people, I mean, that's that's how they describe the product. They can relate to it. Yeah. Yes. And like, would an agency have ever helped us crack that? No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so I'm curious for you personally, what have you done to help feel your best and not have all these gut issues? Yeah. So learning a lot more than I ever knew and understood about nutrition. So I think, I mean, that's such a cliche answer and there's a lot of people kind of going through that right now. But what I think is so cool about the era we're living in is it's all much more accessible than it was, right? You don't, 
nutritionists are great, huge fan. Dietitians are amazing. Like you can do a lot of this sourcing yourself. And kind of like the typical, it's like going back to a lot of whole foods, right? And then the other thing I should mention that like I'm a big believer in is everything in moderation. So I know, I don't know, insert blank diet. There's a lot of great diets out there that work for people. I have found that like my way is to moderation, right? I don't lean heavily into yes or no's or bad or good. It's moderation. I know I have some foods like gluten that definitely trigger symptoms and I just avoid it but I never jumped on keto again, nothing wrong with keto. It's just, I find somewhere down the middle is best. Yeah. I think having that balanced approach, it tends to work for most people and, yeah. and not feeling that like restrictive lifestyle is, can be really challenging. Totally. And I guess the other, the problem with, with all the information and all the experts having a platform is I noticed early on in the Facebook groups, there's a lot of like shaming, right? There's a lot of like, and we, I see it on our own ads, right? The comments, it's like, insert blank ingredient. That's terrible for you. You should cut that out. And I just think misinformation is a problem too, right? There's a lot of misinformation, yeah. a lot of like, this is horrible. This is bad. So just, there's not one size fits all, right? Doing your own research, figuring out what works for you. I never look someone in the eye and say like, these bars are going to be the perfect thing for you. I hope they are, right? We've we've gone to great efforts to make sure a lot of those common irritants aren't in there, but they may not work for you. And that's totally cool. I mean, I remember like when I was on my own gut journey, it's like uh, there was some brand of probiotics back in the day that everyone else swore by and like they didn't work for me. I remember thinking like, this is something wrong with my gut. And it just like, those aren't the right, those aren't the right fit for me. It's a great product. It's not the right fit. Yeah, certainly there is no one size fits all. That is totally, totally. So do you still have your Facebook group? I do. Now rename the Belly Belly group. Yeah. <laughs> no, one thing I promised when I bought them is to maintain the community in each of them. So I actually have like 18 that I'm. Oh my God. <laughs> How do you manage that? I have there's moderators in every group. I would say very candidly, I still learn so much from the Facebook group. So I'll pop in and I'll I'll try to understand what's what what everyone's doing or what they're not doing or what's the what the problem is. But in terms of like conversion, I do think groups have changed. So like back in the day that powered our business and I, yeah. I you know, I'm very honest. I, I don't think that powers our direct to consumer business anymore, but I learn a lot from those communities. I, I survey them a lot, uh, you know, especially if we're going to make a change to ingredients. Like I just surveyed them. We're just super curious about allulose. We're not looking at allulose, but I'm just very curious about the ingredient and what the perception is in the medical community and the gut challenge community. And so I've been serving that community a bunch about allulose and it's very interesting. What have you found? People are so worried about it. Um, I think yeah. I'm still trying to form my own opinion. I think it's a really interesting ingredient with a lot of potential, but just like anything that's not mainstream or that we probably don't know enough about yet, there's like a lot of but perception matters just as much as reality, right? And so totally. I don't think we're there yet on perception. I think there's just a lot of concern and it sounds like a weird word, right? I mean, it sounds like... Yeah, it sounds... It does not have a good name. <laughs> no, it's not a good name. So yeah, that's just been interesting. I still think it's like a very interesting ingredient with a lot of potential, but no, apparently like no one's ready for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great you have that intel. Yeah. So as you think about continuing to build the business and outside of community, how do you envision that? And and what's really your vision for the future? 
Yeah. I think that the short, easy answer is to support women on their gut health journey. And everything we do will be a reflection of that. So you will see Belly Belly branch out of the bar aisle soon. How soon? We aren't sharing exactly where yet. Probably in April of 2024. That'll be <laughs> here date. in no time. Yeah. So it's it's happening. And um, that was not a no-brainer for us at all, right? I think SKU expansion is a complicated subject, right? For an early business and like when you do it, if you do it, there's plenty of great examples of businesses and brands who never did that. And they kind of saw the single SKU yeah. one product through to the very end leaning into community, this is, this product is something our communities asked for. So we did it. And I, I hope it's, I hope it's the right move, but the short of it is we will own the color pink and we will be supporting women on their gut health journey. Um, and, and our goal will always be to mainstream and destigmatize that. I think one thing we're going to work harder on as a brand is making sure we're not the brand for gut issues and we stand for gut health, gut issues, is very sticky and it's really easy to attach to the brand if you have gut issues and it should be. We we love that and want that because that's that's who I was and that's why I started the product. But we want to make sure we're for everyone. It's 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 for anyone who's prioritizing or wants to do just 10% more for their gut health. And again, we've had some really awesome campaigns like the Hot Girls of IBS who that have been great. It, it's just really signaled issue and we want to make sure we're not just issue. Uh, there's a real positive association with the brand too. that it can just be a delicious bar for anyone exactly so that's something that like we're going to work on from a brand perspective over the next 12 months well that's exciting yeah yeah all hard all good <laughs> yeah so as you think about all hard all good how how has the journey been for you the last couple of years in starting this venture and how has it been balancing having newborns having founders ceo everything else in your life I feel like I'm a pretty cup half full person, but on when it comes to this question, I'm like, my answer is a bit more cynical because I'm just maybe too honest, but like, I found it to be really hard. And I found, I would be totally lying to say, if I said that, like, I've figured out a way to balance it all. I definitely haven't. I think it's really hard <laughs> and I still wouldn't do it differently. I don't think, but I do think, I don't know if everyone always talks about how hard it is to do the kids and the entrepreneur thing at the same time. And I can't even imagine. We just haven't figured it out totally. So like, I think that's, that's my honest answer. We launched Belly Welly in the hospital. So we, what do you mean? <laughs> like this again, I think it's probably like the two, it's like the really honest take, but I think it's the real take, which is we were getting ready to launch. I was pregnant with our second child and super excited about it, but also like <laughs> timing wasn't great. And um, my water broke about three months early. And oh, wow. so that was the day, the week before we were launching the business, you know, it probably has something to do with like too much going on. And so we launched the business. She was a NICU baby. I had a severe complication and ended up hemorrhaging. And so we launched it from the hospital. Then, you know, everyone ended up fine, which was so great. And so I think the first year was just really tough to try to figure out like, like, I, you know, I really should be like super present with a newborn, but like I'm launching this business and where do I split my time? And like, what matters more right now? Like what it, it's, it was super difficult. And then again, like we also, you know, you're, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and we we were doing this like, you know, you, you sacrifice pay, right. For the like, hopeful, hopefully the end result. And so, yeah. you know, childcare is not easy. So anyways, we were just, and my husband and I co-founded this together along with our third co-founder. And so we're just, 
it was a lot and it still is. So we have a three and a two-year-old and I hope we're doing it all right. Right. Like we were at stores until 10 o'clock last night, setting up shippers as a family of four. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, we definitely haven't figured out balance. That said, I don't think if I'm, if I'm honest with myself and I think anyone who knows me, I don't think I'd be doing anything different. Right. Like I think like so many people that, you know, are addicted to this, like you're doing it no matter what, right. Like if, if belly Willy wasn't here, I'd be doing something else. You know, I'd, I'd be on an entrepreneurial journey of some kind and it would be like the wrong time and all the things. So there's nothing more fulfilling, but yeah, I have not figured out the balance at all. <laughs> That's my answer. Well, I love your answer because I think it is incredibly hard to have balance. And I think that it just becomes like the balance is actually what your life is. And that's how you're learning to adapt to make it comfortable for you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think someone gave me this advice really early and it meant nothing to me at the time. And I still think I'm like still early in the journey. So it probably doesn't mean as much as it even will at some point. But I think this is a very lonely pursuit on some level, right? I mean, I have found that, you know, we're lucky to have a lot of awesome close friends and, but you get to this point where kind of no one kind of gets what you're doing, right? It's like this all consuming thing that you're obsessed with. And it means so much to you, right? And like launching into target feels like the biggest news in your world. Right. And like, it's probably not going to mean that much to your, like, you know, and so it just becomes, yeah, it's, I mean, they're super excited for you and you you can have all the support in the world, but you're just on this like very lonely pursuit that weirdly becomes isolating at a certain point. And I think trying to figure out that and like, when do you say no to the business stuff, which is like, you're giving this everything, right? When do you say no and like, make sure you're nourishing outside friendships. It's like all of that, that I find to be a work in progress. Yeah. It's, it's very complicated. And I think For me, definitely in the beginning, like having a lot of other female founders who were going through it at the same time was one of the best outlets. Yes. And then it took years. I mean, I I would say I'm still not balanced, but it definitely took many, many years until I had like a full team to really, I don't want to say let go because I'm still not letting go, but... (laughs) <laughs> 14 years later, I'm still not letting out, but to like achieve a little balance, a yeah, little bit yeah. more balance, like yeah. going on a vacation that I can finally, well, no, actually I still feel guilty about going on vacation. So I take that. That's back. like, that's the stuff I mean, right? right? It's like, you're like, there's no rule book on this path. Yeah. And so you're just, you just don't know what's when you're making the right decision or the wrong decision. And to your point, like female founders or just founders period have been have become some of my closest friends, right? Because we just speak this weird common language. Um, Sabina at Doe, at Doe, yeah. and I started our companies around the same time and we are each other's like, I just don't know, you know, what I would do without her, right? It's like venting about a 3PL is not what I thought I would be doing, you know? <laughs> Over like, cocktails. Not what I <laughs> my conversations would be, right? And like, with, But it just becomes the most therapeutic thing in the world. Totally. So what's your biggest challenge today with the business? Your 3PL. (laughs) So this is a personal challenge and it's learning how to be a really good leader. So I think like if you had told me leadership five years ago, I'd been like, oh yeah, of course. Like I know, like we learned about that in school. Like I got that. And now that I I realize that just means so much more than just like it's it's like something that requires a lot of work and time and and education and kind of growth, right? It's like I try to watch a video or read a good article or like read a book. And every time I'm like, gosh, these are not, this is not 
second nature to me, right? Like this takes a lot of effort. This is building a machine. Yeah. Like this next step for me is learning how to build a well-oiled machine. And that's not just like being a people person. It just means a lot more than that. So I think I have a long way to go. And just, I think that's my personal challenge is like really investing in that and figuring out how to be, that sounds really hard to me. And I want to, I want to get good at it. Is there anything that has been really interesting to you of something that you've read or a lesson that you've learned that you're like, this is definitely something that I want to be focused on as a leader. Yeah. Actually just something that my co-founder sent me and I just, I'm like halfway through it, but he was talking about like the analogy. It's like, how, how do you help yourself and your team diagnose a cold, like the difference between a cold and an emergency, right? And like, sometimes a cold turns into an emergency. And like, how do you, you basically should be able to build a machine that like runs itself, right? At the end of the day. And like, how do you, how do you learn everyone? How do you teach and learn yourself how to triage those issues? And I just, I don't have that yet. <laughs> you know, like everything's, I'm too reactive because I'm so close to the business and having a team is new. So like everything is an emergency, right? Or like needs immediate attention. Yeah. And just, you quickly learn that time Money, of course, but like time becomes one of your most precious commodities, time and focus. And um, my responsibility, I think, is to get really good at recognizing what deserves time and focus at this point or what's prioritized. Yeah, what has what has kind of max ROI and to make sure that not only I, but like our team is focusing on on those things. That's so hard because like as an early founder, right? Like your job is to say yes to everything and like make everything happen and like, that probably means saying no now to some things. And that feels so uncomfortable. And sometimes it feels easy. I mean, like admittedly, sometimes it feels easy to go do the like things that move the needle, obviously. Like setting up shippers late at night. That's great. And that's super great. But there's going to come a point where like, that's not what I should do, right? Like my, uh, that's not going to be the best use of my time and therefore the company's time. But it feels satisfying and it feels fun and it feels exciting to like see, see it come to life. See, yeah. See another placement in the store. So it's just, yeah, I have a long way to go there. Well, you'll get there. That's exciting, <laughs> but you're, you're doing the work and that's what you need. It's a step process, you know? Yeah. Lots of steps. Yeah. That's another big lesson. Once one foot in front of the other, right? Like I don't, that's the only way to live in this world. <laughs> totally. just like you can't predict. Yeah. I'm curious, actually, going back to your very beginning, did you have a business plan or did you like once this was going or did you just go? Heck no. Yeah, no. That's like my favorite, like not that I'm in any place to give advice at this point. I think I have a long way to go before I can give advice, but I do love, you know, when someone's like trying to start a business, the first thing out of their mouth is usually like, I'm going to go create my business plan over the next three months. I'm like, who cares? (laughs) Go, yeah, like go, 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 go. Like doesn't matter. That's probably the worst advice. No, it's the best advice. That's totally the best advice. All right. We're going to jump into some rapid fire Q&A. Which is the best advice that you've received that's helped your business? Yeah. It came from one of my co-founders. His name is Tyson. And it's, you don't get points for effort. And it sounds like the harshest advice, but I love it. And I think about it every <laughs> it's single day. It's advice, like, but it's great. It's great. I love it. It's like, you don't, you know, in the real world, you don't get points because you tried like either make it happen or, or don't love it. Three things that you're currently loving. Um, I really love branding. Like I'm learning a lot about branding, right? Like it's not just like how it looks. It's like positioning. This sounds so weird, but I am loving 
learning about legal compliance. Like <laughs> it's like turning me into such a nerd. I like looking at every package on the grocery store. I'm like, oh, interesting. I wonder how they're able to make that claim. Oh my gosh. They can't make that claim, but they're doing it. That's interesting. So that I love. And then like the third is so cliche. It's like, I love talking to grocery store managers. I like love picking their brain. I love hearing what works. I love hearing what doesn't. I love hearing what they think is trending. Never in a million years did I think like that sentence would come out of my mouth, but like, I absolutely love it. So anything super interesting that your surprise is trending in the store? Yeah. I hung out with one last night for like an hour when I was setting up shippers and he said, raw milk is just crushing it on the shelf. Like oh. they cannot keep raw milk on, on, in stock. So interesting. I had no so idea. So interesting. Yeah. And then as soon as he said that, some woman walked by us up, heading up to the checkout and her cart was full of 13 bottles of raw milk. He's like, this happens all day, every day. Wow. I know. What else did he tell you? So many things. I mean, we talked about plant-based and kind of like where that's headed. He mentioned that for the first time, based on his observation, that real milk, so in the spirit of raw milk, real milk is making a resurgence. So like they're seeing a slight drop off in in plant-based milk for the first time in real milk, real ice cream's coming back. I heard recently that there's some theory, this was not from a grocery store manager, this is from a retail CEO, that we'll start to see more influence from European breakfast, which I don't even know what that means, but like European, I need to go like educate myself on European breakfast. Like muesli? I guess. Yeah. You, yeah. You probably know more than it. Yeah. There you go. Um, that European breakfast will start making a, a mark in, in the U S which I thought was interesting. I don't really know how to think about that. Oh, hydration, collagen still trending, still up going up, which I think is interesting. That's like definitely had a moment and yeah. seems to keep having a moment. Oh, I know what interesting one, a grocery store, three grocery store managers have, have told me that one of their best performing items is, and I've, to be honest, I hope I'm not offending anyone. I had never noticed it before. Now I see it everywhere. Is Walden Farms. I can't say I've noticed it either. What is it? They have a million salad dressings. They have chocolate sauces. They have their skew. I think they have like a crazy number of skews, but um, it's zero everything is huh. kind of the value prop. And people buy it by the, like, it's like a number one seller in like multiple, many, 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 many natural gro- grocery stores. Wow. I'll check it out. Sadly, not gut friendly. I looked at the ingredients and I don't think I could consume, but I'm very curious now. Super curious. Yeah. All right. That was a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. This was good. It's good interesting. Tips. I like, yeah, love it. I yeah, love that. Yeah. Favorite words to live by. This also sounds so negative, but I love it. It's actually, I find it really empowering. It's all your fault. And I mean that in like the best way, right? Like it's all your fault. And it, like you have the power to change the narrative. It's also like your responsibility to take accountability when things don't go right. But I love that advice to me is actually very empowering. It just sounds really negative, but I love it. Love it. A favorite book or podcast for professional or personal growth? It's the one I just listened to, actually. I think it's amazing. I even like, I want to pull up the, I might have to owe it to you, but I kind of want to pull up. It was like a Stanford talk and I want to pull it up because I think it was so good. And it was sent to me by our co-founder. It's Keith. Raboy. I don't know how you pronounce it. R-A-B-O-I-S. And it's the title, the lecture is how to operate. I think it's like one of the most spot on videos and lectures and talks I've heard for someone at my stage of building a business. Awesome. We'll check that out. Yeah. Favorite belly welly moment so far. There's so many. 
I, this is such a geeky thing to say. It's the trade shows. Like when you see it kind of come together in like a very obvious way, you're like, wow, I see kind of feels like it, it kind of feels like a, um, of culmination of like your efforts, right? Yeah. It's not, right? There's like so much more to it, but you see team, you see people excited, you see people excited talking to other people about your brand and talking back about your brand. You're having fun together if you're doing it right. Um, you're talking about where you you have to go fix things after the show. You're talking about what's coming next. So to me, it's just like, that's the kind of stuff you live for. Totally. And then I think the other moment is like finding out we were going into Target felt like such a big, exciting thing for us. And now we have to make sure we don't mess that up. But I think that was... <laughs> I have the details. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but that was like a, you know, it's like, you gotta like love those moments or none of this is worth it. Totally. Well, congratulations. That's huge and exciting. Thank you. Like I said, not the hard part. You have to make sure we don't mess that up, but... You'll get it. And lastly, what's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Um... Yeah. It's like, I, I'm not cutting out coffee. I know everyone else says, but like coffee helps, like, coffee makes me happy and I look forward to it. So I'm not cutting it out. <laughs> like I know there's better alternatives and I know like we're supposed to cut down on caffeine, but like, it's like that little moment that I look forward to every morning and like, I'm not cutting it out. <laughs> non-negotiable. It's <laughs> non-negotiable. That's right. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and closing. Where can everybody find you and belly welly and what is next? Yeah. Well, thank, first of all, thank you for having me. It's super fun. I love talking to someone who's done this and has done it really incredibly well and has been through all this. It's like, you know, what, you, what you've created is inspiring for all of us that are coming later and later and later. So thank you for having me. Belly Wally can be found across the country, nationwide Sprouts, Kings, Gelson's, Bristol, Earth Fair, Fresh time, soon to be fresh market. And then, as I mentioned, Target in September, which will be a big one for us. And I also teased and to look for it at some point, but we'll all, you'll also see the pink elsewhere in the grocery store. For now, find us in the bar aisle, but you'll start to see it pop up in other aisles too. So exciting. Thanks again, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.